Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. This is the Danny Mac Show. I'm Dan McLaughlin, minus BK today. On the Monday edition of the show here on 101 ESPN, as we always do, primarily in this hour, talking baseball as we lead you into BK and Ferrario. And that's what we're going to do this morning. It's an off day for the Cardinals. They just wrapped up this series with the Reds. A couple of missed opportunities in some of those games, but the Cardinals say goodbye to Cincinnati. They say hello to Cleveland tomorrow. It's just a two-game series against the Indians, soon to be the Guardians next year. But the uh, Cardinals and the Indians tomorrow night, you can see that game on Valley Sports Midwest. I think we have a fun show for you. Later in the show, I'll visit with Jim Hayes. The trade deadline is almost here in Major League Baseball. And uh, get a sense of what's uh, to come for the St. Louis Cardinals. Also, what's it like for a player at this point in the trade deadline as we talk it over with Jim Hayes from uh, the Cardinal Broadcast. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com will be my guest. And I really want to get into something that he posted yesterday on his website. He is the... I think the preeminent authority on the minor league situation with the St. Louis Cardinals. So what does that mean for the trade deadline? Maybe guys that could get called up. But yesterday he posted his uh, top 50 prospect list. We're going to get into the top 10. And he just did the uh, the reconfiguration of the Cardinals uh, top 10 prospects, which just uh, included some of the recent draft picks and maybe some surprises on there. Uh, Jordan Walker has moved in the top 10, obviously. Mason Wynn. Uh, some guys then have to drop out. So we'll visit with Brian Walton about that. There's some big days coming up at the ballpark, and I promised my buddy Joe Pfeiffer that we talk about that and things that I think for you as a fan, some specific dates that maybe you want to get to, and that includes uh, this Saturday with the statue dedication of Ted Simmons. And we start the program by uh, saying good morning to Nolan Gorman, who is the top prospect, along with Matthew Libertor of the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, I'm really looking forward to visiting with Nolan. He joins us now and. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Nolan, on making it to AAA. Let's start with this before we get into second base and the Futures game. What has the experience been like for you uh, making it now to AAA? It's been fun. Um, you know, obviously, as of recently, we've been doing uh, really well and, uh, you know, winning a bunch of games. So that's been super exciting, um, you know, but but from the start, everyone is welcoming and you know, just being up here at this level and seeing, you know, big league arms and, and different stuff like that, it's uh, it's been a, a good challenge and, um, you know, hopefully just keep it going. What's the adjustment that you've seen that you've had to, had to make specifically at the plate? I'll get into your defense in a moment, but specifically at the plate, what are the adjustments you see at this level? Yeah, guys, um, I mean, I've said it before, guys are just able to locate their pitches a lot more um, consistently, and they have a better plan of attack uh, going into the game. Um, you know, so you got to, it's a more of a chess game up here, and you got to, you know, be able to adjust to how the how the pitchers are, are throwing to you. And um, ultimately, it's, you know, the, the chess game is just, it keeps getting better and better against uh, better competition. So, um, 
that's I think that's the biggest thing I've seen, you know, as far as the uh, offensive standpoint is just being able to adjust to uh, to the guys that have a better game plan against you and, um, you know, just just attack, you know, not pitchers pitches, just still look for your pitch to hit. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. You can imagine here in St. Louis, fans are so curious about what it's been like for you to make a transition, whether it be, you know, as a natural third baseman and going to second, you're doing some of that. What has that been like for you defensively? I've loved it. Um, You know, it's been really fun over there at second base, turning double plays. And, you know, you're in a lot more plays than what uh, you are at third base. So um, it's been a good transition for me, and it's been, uh, you know, help from from Okendo and Stubby and you know all the coaching staff they they've made it pretty easy for me and um I've liked it I've enjoyed it a lot how much in spring training was Nolan Arenado helpful for you you mentioned Okendo but I am curious about Nolan and and just maybe pulling you aside and trying to help you out yeah we would take ground balls at third base uh quite a bit and you know just just even watching him um take ground balls is helpful not he doesn't even have to say anything. It's just, it's pretty incredible um, just to, just to sit there and watch him take ground balls and how he goes about it. And, you know, I think a lot of what he prides his defense on is, is his footwork and making sure he's in a good position, um, you know, to, to field the ball and to throw the ball over to first base. So um, that's been, that was, that was a lot of fun um, during, during spring training for sure. It was great to see you and Matthew make it to the Futures game in Denver. What was that experience like for both you guys and your families? Yeah, that was that was super exciting. Um, you know, our families had a, had a great time there. Uh, they were, I had probably 16 people there, maybe if not a little bit more. Um, and he had his family. So that was, that was super fun. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, obviously, he got to start the game. Uh, and then sit there for six innings, but um, ton of fun. Uh, Colorado was great. The weather was perfect. It was just all around, a, you know, nothing could be better. What do you take away from that kind of experience, whether it's the conversations or is it a measuring stick for guys that you know are right there like yourself in the cusp of the big leagues? Um, what, what do you take away from an experience like that? Yeah, really just, you know, talking to the guys um, that are in it, you know, there's, there's really uh, all those guys are going to be big leaguers um, and really good ones. That's obviously why they're there. And, you know, if you could just pick their brains or, you know, just even watching the guys, how they are on the field. um, It's, you know, that's the the biggest thing you gotta, you gotta enjoy it. You gotta have fun and and enjoy that experience for sure. Um, You know, I think my first year it was kind of, you know, being like the rookie, so to speak, um, of the futures game that year, it was, uh, more so just enjoying the sights. And this time it was, you know, we're, we're all elite players and let's, uh, let's go out there and, and do what we do. Has it made it a little easier for you in, in pro ball to be, I guess, roommates probably now and having one of your best friends, uh, on the team, which is amazing in itself, but does that make it easier on you guys? Yeah, I think, uh, we have a lot of fun with it. We live together. So, it's been uh, it's been good going home and talking about you know the game and what we what we saw in each other if he's if he pitched that day and uh, you know other than that it's kind of um, you know just just enjoying our life outside of baseball when we can and you know we're we're always talking about the game and that's something that 
um, you know, from a young age that we've, we've strived to do is just talk to each other about uh, how we can improve and how we can be better and, and, you know, work our way up to what our ultimate goal is. And then finally in satellite camp, you guys faced each other a bunch uh, who got the best of the other and how much trash talking was being done between the two of you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I think we both got each other um, a few times, uh, you know, but it's always fun to face him and, um, you know, facing that that level of competition. You know, he's a unreal pitcher. He's got really good pitches, um, you know, left on left matchup. So it's it's always fun to face him and, um you know, we, we do it to make each other better. We do it in the off season and, you know, it, it only helps he, both of us. Cause you know, while I'm standing there in the box, I'm able to see, you know, all of his pitches and exactly what they're doing and, and how he's feeling that day. Um, so, you know, we, we can sit down and talk after we face each other and, you know, just make each other better. Hey, Nolan, thanks for doing this. Keep it up. Look forward to seeing you in St. Louis very, very soon. Thank you. Awesome to visit with one of the top prospects in baseball, and that is Nolan Gorman. Now, there's some pretty cool nights coming up at the ballpark, and uh, my buddy Joe Pfeiffer, who runs the Alumni Association, also has a hand in various uh, roles with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I had a chance to visit with him, and I said, you know, now that we're full capacity, there's some pretty cool things going on. So one of the things that they do, if you didn't know this, at the Hall of Fame and Museum, they do Saturday signings where a former Cardinal comes in and is signing, and they've got Ted says, uh, Sizemore this weekend on Saturday. Uh, World Series MVP David Eckstein, Cardinals Hall of Famers Vince Coleman, John Tudor, Tom Hur are coming. Dimitri Young hasn't been in St. Louis in a long time. Chris Carpenter, another Cardinals uh, Hall of Famer Fernando Vina. Those are Saturday signings, but also some really cool nights at the ballpark. And maybe the biggest one coming up in terms of this is kind of welcoming him back into the family is uh, it's coming up, uh, I believe, in August. But Joe will tell us here. And that is a night to honor the 2011 World Series MVP, David Freeze. August uh, 17th. It's a Tuesday night. It's our official welcome back to David Freeze. So it's Budweiser Bash. It's a theme ticketed event. I know his VIP bobblehead um, is sold out, um, but there's other opportunities to buy tickets on that night. We have plenty of tickets. Tuesday night, opportunity to get an affordable ticket at Bush Stadium and come and welcome back our hometown hero. Uh, it's his night. It's David Free's night. Tuesday night, August 17th. Fans are going to want to be here. They're going to want to be in their seat. Uh, as David throws out the first pitch that evening. David Freeze was part of the 2011 World Championship Club, and there's going to be a number of those players coming back for the 2011 World Series reunion. Fans are going to get some information coming soon about our 2011 reunion, but a little bit of uh, information in advance. It's going to be Saturday evening, September 18th. We're going to play the San Diego Padres that weekend, which will be a great series against a really good team. And uh, that night, it's going to feel a lot like opening day. We'll have the four-truck parade around the warning track with more than 25 guys from the 2011 team, including David Freeze and Chris Carpenter and Lance Berkman and Jason Mott and Alan Craig and Matt Holliday. A lot of the heroes that everyone loved from that uh, 2011 team will be here on Saturday, September 18th. So you're going to want your tickets. Uh, you're going to want to be in your seat early. Um, for that parade and that celebration that night. I think maybe the biggest night that I'm looking forward to, in addition to David Freeze and the Hall of Fame, I love doing the Hall of Fame, emceeing that. It's a privilege to do it. But 
because of COVID, the Cardinals could not formally really recognize outside of the patch that was being worn last year for Lou Brock, this year Bob Gibson, but they have a special couple of nights on a weekend that's very big for the Cardinals to honor both separately, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock. Hall of Fame weekend, uh, the weekend of uh, August 20th, um, we'll induct our Cardinals Hall of Famers on Saturday, August 21st. Obviously, uh, we missed in 2020, so we're going to induct our 20 uh, inductees, John Tudor, Tommy Herr, and Bill White on Saturday the 21st, along with our new inductee for 2021, Keith Hernandez. So this is going to be an exciting Saturday, to say the least. But also that weekend, we're finally going to have the opportunity, now that we're at full capacity, to honor two of the greatest players in the history of baseball, Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, whom we'll honor Lou and have his family present for a ceremony on Friday, August 20th. And then we'll do the same with for Bob Gibson on Sunday, August 22nd. So fans are really going to want to be here the weekend of August 20th, uh, all three games to celebrate the tradition that's Cardinals baseball. That's Joe Pfeiffer from the Alumni Association, uh, runs the Cardinals Alumni Association, and does just an incredible job with that in the fantasy camp and some of these big nights that they have planned coming up at the ballpark. What we'll do, we'll take a quick timeout, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the top 10 prospects right now in the Cardinal system. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com has come out with a new article on his website yesterday, renaming the top 50 in the Cardinals organization, and we're going to talk about that coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Welcome back to the show, and we'll continue talking about the minor league system with a guy that knows the minor leagues inside and out, and that is Brian Walton from thecardinalnation.com. And released yesterday, Sunday morning, was his restructuring of the top 50 prospects in the Cardinals system. And for folks that don't know, Brian runs thecardinalnation.com, special emphasis on the minor leagues of the St. Louis Cardinals. And as always, Brian, uh, we appreciate your time on this Monday morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. And, you know, there's a, a lot to talk about. Not only are players who are in the system, primarily offensive players, stepping up, but also now we have, of course, the new draft class of 2021, none of whom have taken the field yet as a Cardinal to try to figure out uh, you know, where they might be interleaved into the prospect rankings as we assess you know, which players may have the best chance of contributing at St. Louis someday. Just a general question about the draft. What, what are you hearing about the Cardinals draft as you evaluate it and others that start to really break this thing down? And they're, they're close to signing all their picks, but uh, what have you heard in a general aspect about the Cardinals draft this year? Well, the Cardinals drafted a lot of college pitchers, and they need pitching in the minor league system. You know, as we've talked about a lot this year, the pitching, uh, whether you go from Memphis all the way down to, to Palm Beach, has not been good. And so they're, you know, restocking with college guys who can hopefully contribute fairly quickly. But they also made uh, a handful of very uh, selective high school picks, uh, two of whom they already have on board. Uh, Joshua Baez, the outfielder from Massachusetts, who has uh, a very interesting upside profile. You know, guys like uh, guys who we were talking about, like Dylan Carlson and, and Nolan Gorman a few years ago. So the the um, uh, the Cardinals, and then uh, they just, of course, signed their seventh rounder, uh, a Colorado high school pitcher, Alec Willis, six six already uh, as a teenager, uh, who has again some very interesting potential. So the Cardinals saved some money on some of their other picks so they could convince some of these high schoolers to 
to forego college and, and join the organization. And as you said, you know, the, of the 21 picks, it looks like, you know, they have a pretty good shot of getting them all in-house by the deadline, which is uh, next Sunday, the first uh, of August. Let's talk a little bit about your top 50 prospects. I always love diving into this, was diving into it yesterday. So what has happened with the top 10 of, of some of the guys that have moved in or maybe some of the guys that have moved out? There's a constant at the top, and that is that Gorman and Libertor, from from my uh, perspective, are still the top two players in the system. As many of our listeners probably know, Nolan Gorman moved up from AA to AAA recently. Uh, he started slowly there at AAA, but he's you know learning a new league, and he's facing pitchers, uh, many of whom have major league experience. But he's come on very well with a bat recently, showing power, driving in runs, and he continues to play second base. Uh, fairly regularly as well. So he's, you know, building that defensive versatility so that he can compete for a job with St. Louis uh, potentially next year. Matthew Libertor, uh, as folks may know, was challenged. He he only played at a low class A in 2019 before the pandemic. Last year, he was in the alternate camp, but he was jumped all the way to AAA this year, started off a little bit slowly, but then went off to compete in the Olympic qualifier for Team USA, did very well there, and has performed quite well with Memphis since he came back. And so they're still my top two guys in the system. But the two guys that have really moved up this time, in my mind, are the top two draft picks from a year ago. And that's third baseman Jordan Walker, who played very, very well to start the season at Palm Beach and has now been promoted to Peoria. And again, new level, a very young guy, just turned 19 years old. So he's you know, several years younger than the average player in his league and is, uh, you know, starting to get his feet on the ground there. He hit his first home run the other day. And then Mason Wynn, who's a very interesting, you know, very uh, strong athlete, excellent arm, uh, is a shortstop, but also pitcher, has been focusing on shortstop this year, but the Cardinals say that Mason Wynn will continue to pitch as well. And he's still at uh, Palm Beach. He started there with Wynn, with Walker, but uh, Wynn is, you know, showing good on base skills, a leadoff type guy, uh, getting on base, uh, uh, stealing bases, scoring runs, and, you know, is looking really comfortable there now. And I wouldn't be surprised, depending on what they do with win pitching, uh, but as an offensive player, as a shortstop, he could be following Walker soon. And so those two guys, Walker and Wynn, have moved ahead of Yvonne Herrera and Zach Thompson. Yvonne Herrera is the catching prospect at AA, has had a slow start to the season with the bat, but there's still, you know, several months to go. And then Zach Thompson, the, the other left-hander who is at Memphis, you know, finally got his first uh, AAA win uh, at, on Friday and uh, threw a six-inning shutout. By far the best outing for the year for Zach Thompson. So Thompson is certainly behind Libertor right now in his development, but uh, his last outing, you know, perhaps he's turned the corner. Uh, then also in the top 10, of course, are McGreevy and Baez, the two top picks that the Cardinals signed this year as well as Alec Burleson, who we talked about a little earlier this year, the outfielder who was taken last year, a polished college player, uh, played very, very well at Peoria and is hitting the ball extremely well at, at Springfield as well, showing great power. And so Burleson has also moved into our top 10, along with Angel Rondon, who's uh, also pitching better at AAA. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Walden is our guest of the Cardinal Nation Dot com. Uh, I subscribe to it. If you're a Cardinal fan, you love the minor leagues, make sure you uh, do yourself a favor, subscribe to thecardinalnation.com. I want to go back to Mason Wynn for a moment, and you mentioned he's got a big arm, and he's he's pitched and he's playing shortstop. 
I wonder if the Otani situation has opened more people up to the idea of two-way players. And I, I do wonder if the Cardinals are intrigued with that to the point that they're going to let him get on the mound at some point. That's what they say. And he did uh, win was in the alternate camp last year. And again, was primarily a shortstop until later in the camp. And then they did let him take the mound for, uh, you know, uh, later in the camp. But of course, those games weren't televised and weren't really even made public. So we don't really know what, how much, what, what happened. But I think the interesting thing with win, there's no doubt that the Cardinals still, they're saying they want him to pitch as well as play shortstop. But the question is, you know, will they slow down his overall um, promotion process for him to pick up pitching? For example, as an offensive performer, I could argue that he could follow Walker to, to high a Peoria today, but if they may want to keep him in Palm beach a while longer and have him start pitching this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him to make sure that his, development kind of stays in balance in those two positions if you get my point absolutely um I want to go to Nolan Gorman for a moment we have heard and he told me that he's really enjoying second base like he he just he said I I love it actually it's been a lot of fun to go play a different position and I feel like I'm under the you know tutelage of Jose Okendo and Stubby Clapp and others have made that transition uh, really easy for him what have you heard about that in particular with the defense of Nolan Gorman moving to second base? Well, he's still learning the position, and but he's making he's making the place he needs to play. Now and then he, he has a mistake or two, but everything I've heard is that they're very pleased with his progress at the position. And I think, you know, we've seen the Cardinals take guys like who are good athletes, like a Skip Schumacher, like a Matt Carpenter, who's a tall guy, wouldn't normally, you know, fit that stereotype. And they made them into – major league quality defenders. And I have no reason to believe that Nolan Gorman could not be uh, a second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals next year if he continues on his current development path. Yeah. But, but again, I mean, as, as you and I have talked about many times, Dan, you know, his ticket to the major leagues is his bat, his power. And he just has to be, you know, be able to play a credible defense because his, his batting, his hitting will be what will, you know, eventually cause him to become a major league starter. I want to go back to Jordan Walker uh, for a second. I've heard John Mosellock say in his 20-plus years of being with the organization, young hitters, the names that he mentioned, Albert Pujols, Oscar Tavares, and now Jordan Walker. It is really unique at his age to be able to do what he's doing and to be at the level that he's at, isn't it? Yeah, and the metrics um, that we've heard and seen out of his play – you know, talk about his hard hit percentage and, and the rate, the, the velocity at which the balls leave his bat, which are very, very impressive for a young man. I, I think what has really impressed me about Walker is that he's kept his strikeouts and walks pretty much in sync. And, uh, you know, for a power hitter, that is extremely impressive, especially for one that young. I still bristle a little bit when I hear, you know, comparisons like those because, that's going to put a lot of pressure on still a very, very young man. And I just don't think it's fair to Jordan Walker to mention Albert Pujols in the same sentence, but yeah. that's just my opinion. I could understand that. Um, one guy that is kind of intriguing with the summer that he's had is Nick Plummer. And that would ring a bell, that name for some fans, because they probably remember him being a top pick. And, and it's kind of come together for him this summer, hasn't it? It, it really has, Dan, and it's kind of a surprise, to be honest. Nick Plummer, you know, kind of languished in the system for four years. And, you know, if you look at, at Joshua Baez, the, the outfielder the Cardinals took in the second round this year, it, it kind of reads like Nick Plummer part two. 
you know, a guy with, with good potential from a, from a cold weather state who maybe hasn't played the, the length of seasons and the type of, of competition that you'd like, but looked good in the showcase circuits. But Nick Plummer was a guy that, frankly, had played his way off our prospect list. You know, he didn't look like a major league prospect, a guy that maybe, you know, if he didn't cut it this year, you know, might actually get released. And for whatever reason, Plummer, you know, has really blossomed at double A Springfield. I mean, he's got 10 home runs already uh, driven in, you know, 36 runs in 66 games hitting over 300. So he's basically a 300, 400, 500 player right now, 300 average, 400 on base, 500 slugging. And so, you know, the only thing that's the only thing that's still a concern about Plummer is he's striking out uh, over a third of the time. But you know, he has his numbers this year. You know, make him look like he's a guy that you know can get himself back on the prospect map. Map, and he's come back onto our list in the in the mid thirties after not even being ranked in our in our last go round. We've heard so much about Matthew Libertor, and let's go back to him. He's in your your top two here. Um, it's been a learning season for him to. Go from A ball, no season, then all of a sudden jump to AAA. And it seems like as we go along, he's making some pretty good adjustments. That's right. That's right. He really has, Dan. Um, he got he got dinged up, uh, I don't know, about 10 days or so ago, gave up five runs but in a, in a six-inning outing. But he gave up those runs early, and he buckled down. He gave up a couple home runs, but he stayed in the game, and he really, really fought. And then the next time out, he threw six shutout innings, um, on just four hits and no walks and looked like a guy who is a, you know, polished pitcher uh, nearing his readiness for the major leagues. And it'll be just interesting to see, you know, how much pressure the Cardinals feel they need to make. Certainly if Miles Michaelis and, and Jack Flaherty can stay on their trajectory to come back and somehow help that might enable them to, you know, give um, Matthew Libertor a little more development time, but you know, if, if he could string together more starts like his last time out, you know, I could see him ready. But, you know, prior to that, he had a couple of bumpy ones. And, you know, again, that's what you expect with a young player who's, you know, who was moved up very, very aggressively this year and is still just 21 years of age. Final question. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but Zach Thompson, and again, my guest is Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Zach Thompson uh, finally picked up a win. And, We've been kind of waiting for him because they're very high on this young man, top pick out of Kentucky a couple of years ago. That's got to be something that's good. I'd love to see what the numbers were because I know he's had issues with control, but bottom line, getting that first win, and maybe that's a starting point for him. Yeah, Zach Thompson, again, was moved up very aggressively, never played at AA, um, and I was wondering whether it might have been you know prudent thing to send him down and let him have some success there, but the Cardinals – had started to shorten his outings, Zach, Zach Thompson's outings. So instead of trying to get him five or six innings, they were going three or four innings. And, you know, getting maybe uh, more success in a shorter package. And then this last time, as you mentioned, they stretched him out to six innings, and he had an outing just as, as good as Libertor did uh, in his six, six uh, shutout innings. And, you know, that's something that I think Zach Thompson can build on. He certainly got, certainly got the stuff. It's just a matter of now – gating the experience and learning how to pitch to AAA and, and major league quality uh, type of hitters. And by the way, you know, you, we talked about Libertor and Thompson and Rondon and these guys starting to pitch well, like was expected of them is a big reason why Memphis has 
has, you know, now, uh, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 games in a row, uh, wins in a row because, uh, you know, the, they're doing what the Cardinals organization traditionally has done, which is give them good pitching. And uh, it's, you know, it's nice to see Memphis playing better baseball. Hey, Brian, I'll wrap it up with this, and thanks for being with us. Uh, tell folks about subscribing to thecardinalnation.com. Well, we have a, 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 an amount of material that's free for everyone, minor league recaps and box scores for every day. But then we also have a, a team of local reporters in Memphis, Springfield, Peoria, et cetera, and including the backfields in Jupiter for the Complex League. So they're bringing you information about what's going on actually at these ballparks. And, of course, we continue to have features like our top prospect list that we spent a lot of the time today talking about, Dan. And I think if folks are really interested in the Cardinals minor leagues, we're going to give you uh, uh, in-depth information that you're just not going to find anywhere else. Hey, Brian, as always, thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it. Love your work. And uh, you can find that at thecardinalnation.com, and we'll catch up soon. Take care, Dan. Coming up, we'll visit with the cat from Bally Sports as we talk about the trade deadline about a week to go in the Major League Trade Deadline. So we'll hit us, and we'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. We continue on this Monday with Jimmy the Cat Hayes here on 101 ESPN. Jim does a just a marvelous job covering the St. Louis Cardinals and has uncovered a few different things that may be happening with the St. Louis Cardinals. But uh, first, Cat, we're on Hug Watch. Uh, great to see you. How you doing? Are you going to hug me now? No, I'm no, not. Okay, but it, it is hug watch. It is hug watch. What What do you think it's like, uh, and you've been through a bunch of these, this week leading into the trade deadline, what do you think it's like for the players? I think there's a sense of uneasiness. Uh, maybe there's teams where guys are hoping they get dealt. Um, but I think the uncertainty is not easy to deal with. I think about that time in San Diego when the Cardinals made that trade, and it was uh, on television uh, before guys were told about it, if you recall that. And uh, that's the one that stands out to me. That's total uncertainty. That was the one that brought John Lackey to St. Louis. It involved Joe Kelly, Alan Craig, popular players. And that's kind of the fine line that you walk if you're John Mosellock. At times, you know, you're looking at addressing the club, but there's also, there is something to uh, what's happening behind the scenes with guys that get along, too. I mean, that club, they were very tight. And I think sometimes guys, in terms of guys in the front office, make deals and they want to go and tell the players before anything gets out. But sometimes when there are agents involved, um, things can leak out. And what happens, you have some players that are stunned because they didn't get a heads up. And and you see it firsthand in a clubhouse, and it's pretty heart-wrenching. How about uh, with this club? What do you think the Cardinals do in the next handful of days, if anything? Uh, I'm not so sure they're going to do anything uh, big. I, you know, when was the last time we saw them in a in a sell mode? I mean, the, the team seems to be in a, in a better spot right now. Guys are getting healthier, so I, I think they would do something maybe to upgrade. Maybe nothing huge, but I, I don't see any big moves. You know, Flaherty is uh, is uh, starting a rehab on Tuesday, forty to forty five pitches. We're told Miles Michaelis is starting his rehab, so. There are guys coming back, and I think that sort of changes the dynamic. What is your expectation in particular with Jack Flaherty? So he goes tomorrow, um, and you did a great job reporting on the fact that there could be a piggyback situation. You never know. I mean, things change. It's always fluid. But uh, what are your expectations for Jack here in the final couple of months? Well, they're going to be real careful with him. You know, I mean, it's Jack Flaherty, and uh, they're not going to push him too far. But he, uh, you know, he – 
and Miles Michaelis are on a similar path right now. Miles may be slightly ahead, but Miles is the one that said, hey, what if we piggyback? And Miles brought up that there's an idea bouncing around. I think his idea maybe, or, or one that he likes at the very least, where they could piggyback in the same game. And Mo had told me really a few days earlier that the question for the Cardinals now is how far do they want to push these guys rehabbing at the minor league level instead of maybe letting them build up somehow at the major league level. Thus, a piggyback seems to make a little sense, maybe get them to 50 pitches, 60 pitches, and then in a game you can have Jack and Miles, and that's a spot in the rotation that might need some upgrading quick. And I've always looked at it, too. If you get those guys back and they're not at, let's say, the full pitch count of you know, 90 to 100, if not more, even if you can get those guys combined at 80 to 90 or to get to 100, it's worth doing it because all of a sudden you look up, you're in August, and you're running out of time. And one of the things that is happening with the Cardinals, because the starting rotation has been solidified to a certain extent. I think I was just looking at a stat like over the last 20 starts or something. The ERA is below three. However... They're not going deep into games, and you're going to need to go deeper because we've seen a a bunch of games along the way where if you need too many innings from the bullpen, things can go awry. So, yeah, they definitely are going to have to get a number of pitches, and maybe a piggyback can get them there until these guys are stretched out enough. I think fans would be curious about this, and Jim Hayes of Bally Sports is our guest. The Cardinals have an off day today. They'll be in uh, Cleveland tomorrow trying to do your job in COVID. Now, you and I have talked about this, and obviously we're not traveling, but uh, how are you trying to get insight and continue to do your job, uh, but yet you're not there? What's it been like? Not easy. I mean, I'm Zooming like nobody's business. And I always say that the main thing about my job is I wait around because, let's face it, what I'm doing isn't as as important as what the players are doing to get ready. But we uh, Zoom with players pretty much every day. I'll text with players trying to get uh, as up-to-date information as we can, knowing we're not there, you know, not our call, but we're not there. So I'm doing the best we can. I can't wait till, you know, we're we're back to normal and we're covering games and I can linger in a clubhouse and make players upset that way. You linger a lot, don't you? I'm a lingerer. <laughs> and that's how you get your the insight that you do. Um, you, you've had a couple of interesting reports, and we just talked about the piggyback situation. But you also had some different things on Carlos Martinez, too. You were the first to report his situation. Do you think there's any way that, that Carlos is able to come back in 2021? I don't think he will. Um, uh, I, I think there's a chance, but, I mean, it's a pretty serious surgery. And I, I had gotten the feeling that even though the reports were that he's okay, that there was something more going on. And John Mazalak had told me, no, he, he had to have surgery. Um, and it, when he could come back, it's going to be re- real late in the season. you got to build back up. So I don't think there's a, a chance, although there probably is. It, it does beg the question about the DH. So you look at Flaherty, he gets hurt oblique, swinging the bat. Carlos Martinez hurt swinging the bat. There's somebody else that escapes me that got hurt swinging the bat. But yet when we talk to the pitchers, <clears throat> they they want to hit. I mean, these guys want to hit. We saw over the weekend that Adam Wainwright was the, the final hope for the Cardinals because they're out of bench players on Friday night. So I, I don't know if it's going to happen. My guess is, yes, it will. But uh, these guys love to hit, don't they? All the starters want to yeah. hit. All the starters. Some of the bullpen guys who aren't used to it, maybe it's not a big deal to them. But uh, even the young guys, like, uh, like um, you know, Oviedo, 
he he loves hitting. I mean, he he had a good night the other night at the plate. He, he talks about how he's always been a good hitter, and we see flashes that at the plate. You know, Miles Michaelis wants wants to hit. All these guys take pride in being an athlete. You know, a competitor, and they want to hit. Now, I'm a purist. I, I like the strategy. Um, and people say, oh, you want to see a pitcher hit? You know, what are they hitting as collectively? And I get all that, but uh, I'm old school, and, and I'm a purist. I, I never liked the, the runners starting at second base and extra innings. I never liked the, the uh, seven-inning doubleheaders. I, I kind of think baseball's a good product the way it is. Yes, it can be juiced up a little bit, but I don't like to see drastic changes. One of the most commonly asked questions I get, will Nolan Arnato opt out? I get that from everybody wherever I go. Uh, you're around him a lot. What, what's your impressions of Nolan, number one, and two, opting out? Mine are great player, Hall of Famer, closest I've seen to Scott Rowland. Guy can flat out play. And by the way, he loves it here. I don't think he's opting out. How about you? Well, if they lose tonight, he's gone. <laughs> no, I, I mean, first of all, he loves he loves the way the organization is going about things. I've heard that from him. I've heard that from people around him. He He's really comfortable here. He thinks they have a good team. And he's really enjoying St. Louis. I don't think there's any chance he opts out, but, you know, I'm not his agent. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that that could go into it. But if I were a betting man, I would say I would bet totally against him opting out. And that might be rights holders talk, but I also think it's the truth. What is uh, the – it's Mike Schilt, uh, anything for you, Jim? So AFJ, is that right? Is that how the the, – Press conferences start, AFJ, anything for Jim? Yeah, that's that, that's how uh, my question is wrapped up. I say thanks, and he says anything for Jim. And, you know, I kind of feel that, that it should be that way for everyone. Like, you know, if you if I ask you for something, you should say AFJ. And I'm disappointed when other people, like if if I go to the convenience store and, you know, and, and get a soda mm-hmm. on the way in and I say thank you, I feel that the cashier should say AFJ. Maybe that's me. I have a big ego. Absolutely. Um, I have a a question here on the text line that says, Danny Mac loved your show last night on Fox 2, Scoops with Danny Mac. I do that every, uh, as you know, Sunday at uh, 1030. And you were my guest to talk about your history, uh, your family history in particular. And I know um, you come from a background, and maybe you can explain this in depth a little bit more when it's not TV, but you come from an entertainment background. Many fans may not know that, but your dad, he was an entertainer, wasn't he? First of all, you're very nice, because I see on the text line below it, uh, Jim destroyed your show, Danny. You, you did, but that's all right. You still got a rating. <laughs> My dad uh, is the most talented person that I've ever known. He started as a, a crooner and had a gold record and was a big-time guy back in the day. And then crooners went away because rock and roll came in. He had to reinvent himself, and he became, boy, a game show host. He was in plays. And then he was a talk radio sh- a guy for years, like serious talk or fun talk in, in some cases. Um, but he has been, uh, and he's no longer with us, but he's uh, he's been like the guiding force in my life. I miss him, you know, tremendously. <clears throat> but to have... And and one of the things, too, no matter what I did, he thought was the greatest thing in the world. You know, hey, Dad, I got a C. Great work, son. Um, he was always so supportive, great advice. And uh, like I said, talent level, I mean, I'm nothing compared to what he was. But he was really an inspiration. I've always said if I could get you on the red carpet for the Oscars or the Emmys, I said, I- I'm being serious. You're the guy because 
you're quick on your feet, you're funny, you'll get in there and you make me laugh. You make me laugh on the Cardinal games. So is that where that comes from, being a smart aleck a little bit from your dad? and that? Inter- I'm being serious, like the entertainment aspect of that. Dinner at our house, I used to say it's a tough room. Yeah. Like my dad, if you did something bad in school, he wasn't big on punishing. You know, there's no hitting or anything. He would just mock you in front of your brothers and sisters. And so you had to learn to roll with the punches. But that's where that came from. Um, the back and forth at the dinner table, and my dad was quick and funny, and he knew how to embarrass you as a as a disciplinary tool. I love that. I think it's great. It, it, I mean, it, it kept you on your toes. Yeah. No qu- and I remember at an early age, like um, a little kid, I, I don't even remember where we were. We were out to lunch, and I ordered something, and I didn't finish it. And my brother said, eyes bigger than Tom, Tom. <laughs> and my dad said, mouth bigger than everything. And, I, I mean, we're little kids at the time. And, yeah. and uh, I just remember that was the start of it. So my dad, that's how he got you. And it kind of taught you better be quick on your feet. And uh, that's where Tyler gets it, your son, from you. Really, it generates, though, from your dad. I like to blame my wife for yeah. that. Yeah, because, you know, generally speaking, I, you know, I don't give anyone any, any trouble. My son, my dad used to say that it was his revenge because Tyler is a bit of a wise guy. Good kid. I mean, excellent kid. But every once in a while, he'll smart off. And my dad, when he was around, used to love that. And he said, this this is my revenge. I'll wrap it up with this. What do you think the week is going to be like for you and for this team? Uh, edge your seat kind of stuff. I mean, fans really want to know, you know, if they're going to make a move or, and who that move might be and players coming and going. Uh, what's it like for you? And what do you think this is going to be like for the team? I, I honestly think that the team's best baseball is ahead of them. Um, I, like I said, I, I think they might make a move – uh, of some sort. I don't think it's going to be any sort of blockbuster. I've been wrong before, but what really keeps me on the edge of my seat is I, I, I've been saying all along, I, I think if they get healthy, this this team will be better. And if they are better, I think there's a golden opportunity for them to make a push, and that's going to be fun to watch. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it always. Always a pleasure, sir. That does it for the Monday edition of the Danny Mac Show. And uh, our thanks to Nolan Gorman, Joe Pfeiffer, Jim Hayes, who you just heard from, and Brian Walton. This has been fun. Also, Tanner, great job as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.